0: Good morning and Happy New Year again. Good morning, good morning. Good morning.
1: Good morning. Good
0: morning. The choir is already fighting back here. Uh, just want to welcome everybody to Community Baptist Church. see a lot of visitors this morning. We're glad you're here. Um, as always, we ask that you take the maroon or red folders at the end of each chair and sign those and pass them down so other people can sign those for you. Um, A couple of announcements today um, for the new deacons and all the other deacons. We have the deacons meeting today at 3.30. If you'll look on the back of your bulletin, boy, do we have a lot of things going on right now. Just a couple things to mention. Volleyball starts tonight. So if you would like to come and play volleyball, I heard a yay back here. Volleyball starts at 5 o'clock. So if anyone can stay right after our worship service and help pick up chairs, we would greatly appreciate that. So volleyball tonight at 5. Also, the bin over here, the blue bin, that's where you'll drop your um, items for the homeless. We are starting our partnership with the King's Kitchen. And we are collecting winter coats, winter sweaters, anything that you have in your closet that you no longer wear, please bring those and drop them in that blue bin, and we'll distribute those to King's Kitchen at the end of this month. This is the first uh, time we're going to do our commodity day out here. Miss Jerry, how you doing on crockpots? You're good? This is going to be a huge endeavor for Community Baptist Church, and from Christian Outreach, we thank you. So if you have any time on Tuesday... Um, the truck from Louisville will get here about 9.30, and we will start doing the boxes. Our giveaway for the 250 senior citizens will be from 11 to 1. So if you have any spare time on Tuesday, please come out and help us. Are you okay on volunteers also, Miss Jerry? All right. If you have any time, we would certainly appreciate your help on Tuesday. Small groups. um, You'll see in the bulletin, small groups will be starting on Friday, February 13th, Greg and Nibby's house, and there's some information there about small groups. Lastly, um, next Sunday night, Mary Rye will start her um, small group on a movie night discussion. The movie is incredibly loud and extremely close. So a lot going on right now, but let's focus on what's going on today. Thank you, youth, and the Fellowship Cafe for the breakfast. And as we start our song, let's stand and greet each other in our Father's name.
1: Leave it, Dana, so they can see over there No don't matter if it's or
2: Please join me in our responsive reading for today titled Baptism. We gather to witness the story of God's salvation acted out in the waters of baptism. In holy worship, remember your baptism and give thanks. Through our baptism, we are marked as people who believe in the radical act of redemption through Jesus.
1: We are immersed into newness of life and raised to walk on mission for Christ in the world.
2: We do not know what new thing will be born in us, but we ask God's grace to respond in Christ like love. Let us God, drench us in the living waters of your love. Immerse us in the depths of your spirit. is Sarah Carroll. She has come to unite with Christ and unite with our church through the waters of baptism. She has accepted Christ as her Savior, her Lord, and she has started a new life in him. The Spirit of God now lives within her, and it is such a wonderful blessing for her, for her life, and it is such a wonderful privilege for me. To baptize her in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Because now, she is not just a child in this church. She is my sister. And she is your sister. And we are family. Sarah, upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
1: Amen. Amen.
2: Here there is much water. What doth hinder you from being baptized?
1: 62
3: If you have your Bibles with you today and you would like to join along in the reading with your Bible, I am reading from Mark chapter 1, verses 7 through 11. And if you would like to just follow us along on the screen, it will be up on the screen. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals." I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. The voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
4: morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Did y'all just witness something new and exciting? Isn't that exciting about Sarah? That is what's cool, wasn't it? You know, it's just what? Today is just a couple of weeks past Christmas. Did y'all get anything new for Christmas? You did? What'd you get? Did you really? Can I come over and ride with you sometime? <laughs> What'd you get next? fun. I love bicycles. What'd you get? Did you really? Has lights to it? Are you having fun with all your new stuff? It's neat to get new, well, it's good to get new things. And don't you love to wear new clothes when you get on? It feels so good when you put them on and stuff. Well, today, what we witnessed Miss Sarah do is something that they've done for years. People have done for years. And there was a man, John the Baptist, who and telling people in Judea about them. well, our own Jesus Christ came upon him and they baptized him. Do you know what happened after he came after he baptized him? A dove came from out of. Them. What tell me? Isn't that awesome? And you know, it's kind of like a, a peace offering, as if to say, "Peace, I give you, and this is your peace for this world." Well, let me me tell you that baptism is your God already loves you. He loves you through and through from the top of your toes to the bottom of your toes, inside and out. But this is a choice of where you get to decide if you're going to do away with the old and become new. I have something here that I found this summer, and I wanted to save it for y'all because I wanted to show you. Does anybody know what it is? It is a snake skin. And I, I put it in a plastic bag because when I found it, it was still kind of fresh right here <laughs> on this end. And I wanted to keep it fresh so it wouldn't. That's a pretty big old snake, isn't it?
2: wonder if that snake's still
4: alive. It, it shed its skin. You're right. So this is his old skin that he left behind, and he's new. Well, baptism is something like that. You shed your old, and you put on a new a new Christian outfit. Now, how do you think people recognize you as a Christian? Now, you know, if you see a police officer, if you saw him in his street clothes, you wouldn't know who he was. But if he had on his uniform, you'd know he's a police officer. If it was uh, a doctor, you would know. He was a doctor by what he would. If it was a nurse, you would know it. So what can you do so that people will know that you are a Christian? You still look the same. You still, act, you still are the same. But there's going to be something different. So that, what, Gracie? You won't, you won't act the same. And you know who will notice it? Are those people that you come in contact with every day. The people at school, the people at, in your neighborhood, and the people that you don't even know. So let us pray for our new life, and we'll start with our new things that we love. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for Sarah today and for her choice, her decision to put on a Christian uniform and to show the world about your love. Amen.
2: 364. The standard stand and sing, please.
1: nice to see each one of you here this morning. It's good to see the house of the Lord being filled. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time you give each one of us. Help us, Lord, to make the best of it, to make wise choices. Help us to love you and to love each other as you showed us through your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask that you bless this tithe and offering for the building of your kingdom. These things we pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.
2: Pastor Timothy Bogus tells a story, he says it's a true story about a mother who was at home with her two young daughters one afternoon and everything seemed to be fine until the mother realized that the house was very quiet. And as any parent will know, a quiet house in the middle of the daytime can only mean one thing, the kids are up to no good. So she quietly walked into the girls' bedrooms and didn't find them there. And then she heard the sound of whispering, followed by the flushing of a toilet. So she followed the sound and, and realized that it was coming from her bathroom. Whispers, flush. Whispers, flush. Whispers, flush. Flush. So she poked her head into the bathroom so she could see her daughter standing over the toilet. Whispers, flush, whispers, flush. One of them was holding a soaking wet Barbie doll by the ankles. And the other one had her finger on the handle. Well, she wanted to hear what the daughter was saying, so she listened real hard and heard her say this. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son, and in the whole you go, (laughs) flush. (laughs) Let's talk for a few minutes this morning about baptism in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. One of the most confusing doctrines of our faith is the doctrine of the Trinity, the idea that God comes to us somehow in three different persons, God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, if you will, to some, even within the church, it sounds very confusing that God exists in three forms in three persons, but is still one being. And those little girls were right in one respect, for we do use this time-honored formula when we baptize people like Sarah Carroll. We did that just a few moments ago in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is an essential part of our faith. We even have a special Sunday set aside in the church calendar designated as Trinity Sunday. It's the Sunday right after Pentecost. And I'm told that it is the Sunday that most pastors take off on vacation more than any other Sunday except for vacation Bible school. <laughs> and it's, it, it's not really a Sunday which pastors look forward to preaching. I mean, after all, it's our job to explain the Scriptures and 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 some things are just hard to explain, and the doctrine of the Trinity is one of those things. And yet we we have this very doctrine on display in in a beautiful way in the very beginning of Jesus' ministry when he was baptized in the River Jordan. John the Baptist, if you will remember, was Jesus' cousin. And John was out in the wilderness preaching about the coming Messiah. Now, John was an eccentric character. His clothing was made of camel's hair and had a leather belt around his waist, and his diet consisted of locusts and wild honey. Of course, maybe he was just a little ahead of his time. We we could say today that he was into organic food and simply was committed to a lifestyle of simplicity. And today he would be celebrated, not looked down upon for his unusual habits. But actually he was celebrated in his own time, Apparently, he was a fabulous preacher. He was very popular. And people flocked to him out in the, in the country, in the wilderness, to hear him preach and to be baptized by him. He never went into the cities. He always stayed near the river because his main purpose was to baptize people who were repentant. In fact, that's what he was doing as we open today's lesson from the Scripture. So John's purpose was to prepare the way for the Messiah. And his message was repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now the Jewish people were looking for someone to deliver them from the oppressive hand of the Roman Empire and to, to make things right in their land. And, and some people thought that maybe John was that person, the Messiah. Maybe he was the one who would deliver them. But John made it very clear that he was not the Messiah. In fact, he said, after me comes the one who is more powerful than I am, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. And then he said, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Well, one day as he was baptizing people, John's cousin, Jesus, showed up, and he wanted to be baptized. This is the only time the Bible mentions that John and Jesus met as a, as adults. But since their mothers, Mary and Elizabeth, were very close and since they were cousins, I imagine they saw each other quite often as they were growing up. And maybe that's why Jesus was surprised to see his cousin among those who came for baptism. John knew that there was something special about Jesus. He admitted it as much in in Matthew's version of this story. Because Matthew tells us that that when Jesus came to John to be baptized, John tried to prevent Jesus from being baptized by Him. He said, I need to be baptized by you. What are you doing coming to me? And of course, theologians have wrestled with that question for centuries. Why is it that the one that we call the blameless, spotless Lamb of God needed to be baptized? Well, he didn't, of course. He was without sin. But we need to be baptized, and he was setting an example for us. And in doing this, he was also identifying himself with the kingdom that John was announcing. But what I want to focus on today is how beautifully this doctrine of the Trinity is portrayed in these few words of Mark's gospel. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being opened and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Let's think for a moment how God the Father and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all portrayed in this simple little story. Let's begin with God the Father. A voice came from heaven saying, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. The first thing that we see here is a father's love. The voice of God, he kind of sounds like a proud papa, doesn't he? You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. I I, I could see Don and Lisa saying something like that to, to their daughter Sarah today. You are our daughter. And we love you. And we are so pleased that you have committed your life to God. You know, when, when many people think about the characteristics of God, they, they think in lofty terms and use lofty words like omnipotence and omniscience and omnipresence. And, and all of these things are true. But in Jesus' mind, the most important characteristic of God is love. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. 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 You have heard me say it before, and that this is an affirmation that I wish every child on earth could hear without equivocation from his or her parents. You are my son. You are my daughter, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. What a difference it would make in the world if every parent would affirm his or her child like that. If that happened, I, just, I can imagine that, that crime would drop significantly, delinquency would drop, even terrorism would all but, all but disappear. Can you imagine a world in which every child knew for certain that he or she was loved and accepted? Can you imagine a world where no young person felt the need to act out in a destructive way in order to gain the attention or the approval of his or her parents? You are my son. You are my daughter whom I love. With you I am well pleased. It is so important to tell and to show your children that they are loved unconditionally. Unconditionally. That they are accepted no matter what. That you are there for, for them, to help them, and to support them, no matter where their lives take them. You are my son, my daughter, whom I love, and I am tickle pink to be your parent. But, of course, Jesus taught us that parental love is downright puny compared to the love of God. The love that God has for each of us, God's children. Because you see, God's love will never end. And there is nothing that God will not risk to win back God's fallen children. And so, the first thing in this story of Jesus' baptism that we see today is the love of God the Father. And then, secondly, we also see the humility of God the Son. This is a recurring theme all throughout the New Testament. Christ humbled himself in our behalf. Paul says it so beautifully in in Philippians chapter 2 when he said, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, Jesus humbled himself by even coming to the earth. That was a humbling experience, just coming here. He came from glory. And he certainly humbled himself when He allowed himself to be placed on that cross. And John recognized the greatness of Jesus. John wondered, why in the world are you coming to me to be baptized? I need to be baptized by you. But this is the pattern of Jesus' life. He humbled himself to be baptized by his cousin, a rough country preacher with no degree of sophistication at all just as he later would humble himself to go to a cross. But my friends, it was all for you and for me. You know, humility is a misunderstood quality. We characterize um, some people as being humble simply because they don't think very much of themselves. Uh, But that's not humility. They minimize everything that they do in order to curry favor with others. And we like people like that because they make us feel better about ourselves. They make us feel superior. But we don't necessarily respect them because only strong people can really be humble. I like something that Norman Vincent Peale once said. He said, humble people don't think less of themselves. They just think of themselves less. I like that. Humble people don't think less of themselves. They just think of themselves less. And and that was certainly true for Jesus. He knew who he was. He knew that he was the Son of God, but he did not let that get in the way of his service to the least and the lowest. And he was the humblest person who ever lived only because he was the mightiest person who ever lived. That famous missionary Hudson Taylor was once scheduled to speak in a, in a large church in Australia and the moderator of the service introduced Taylor in eloquent and glowing terms. He told the congregation about all the things that Taylor had accomplished on the mission field in China and then he presented him as our illustrious guest. And so Taylor stood quietly for a moment, and then he opened his message with a few heartfelt words. He said, Dear friends, I appreciate the kind words issued forth in my behalf, but I am far from an illustrious guest. I am only a tiny servant of an illustrious master. My friends, that's humility. That's humility. And that's the kind of humility that ought to characterize every follower of Jesus Christ. And it's not that we see ourselves as doormats for other people to walk all over. We know who we are, we are God's children. But we humble ourselves in service to others. So in this story, we see the Father's love, and we see the Son's humility. And finally, we see the coming of the Holy Spirit. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he he saw the heavens being opened and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God in our lives, a presence that gives us power and guides us, a presence that comforts us and corrects us. And just like baptism Christ did not need the Holy Spirit to come upon him. He he was already filled with the Spirit of God. But we need the Holy Spirit to come upon us. Because it is that Spirit that helps us to be what God wants us to be. There's an old story about a pastor who was greeting folks at the door after the worship service. And a woman came up to him and said, Pastor, that was a good sermon. And the pastor replied, oh, I have to give credit for that to the Holy Spirit. And the woman said, oh, no, it wasn't that good. <laughs> Christian comedian and songwriter Mark Lowry says that aspiring songwriters will sometimes come up to him and give, a, give him a piece of music. Yeah, they're trying to make connections there. And they will say something like, God gave me this song. And Lowry looks out at his audience and he says, what do you do with that? Especially if it's not a very good song. (laughs) He says, sometimes I want to say to that person, the reason God gave you that song is because he didn't want it. (laughs) John talked about Jesus and said, after me comes the one who is more powerful than I am, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. And then he says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. My friends, we need the presence of God in our life. We need that presence to give us purpose, to give us strength, and to give us guidance in order to live according to that purpose that the Spirit gives to us. There was an article in the newspapers a while back about a great bridge that spans the Yangtze River in China. The bridge carries thousands of pedestrians across it every day. And unfortunately, a few of those people use the, the Yangtze Bridge to end their lives. Over 1,000 people have jumped from the bridge since it opened in 1968. Well, in 2003, a man named Chen decided that this has to end. And since that time, he has spent most of his weekends coming to that bridge to try to stop people from jumping. And so far, he has been able to stop 42 people from ending their lives. And he said, you know, it's really very easy to recognize those potential jumpers. They are people who walk without spirit. Well, what does that mean? A person who walks without spirit. You probably know. You can probably see it in a person's eyes or in their face, in the slumped shoulders, the downward gaze that they are without spirit. The psalmist wrote, Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. What a profound prayer that is. And at some point in our lives, we need to pray just like Sarah has done, come into my life, Lord Jesus, knowing that this is the same thing as praying that God's Holy Spirit will come upon us. The Holy Spirit is the giver of life. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God within us. And and all of this we see played out in this beautiful little story of Jesus' baptism. The love of the Father, the humility of the Son, and the coming of God's Holy Spirit. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being opened and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my Son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, number 457, Lord be glorified. And let us glorify the Lord as we sing this, these beautiful words, all three verses. Lord, be glorified. us with memories of Jesus's baptism and ours. Thank you for removing our reluctance, our doubts and our fears and for replacing them with courage and commission. We go forth with your calling, O God, with your direction and blessing. Go with us that we may experience your love and follow your son. And through the power of your Holy Spirit, proclaim good news to all. For it is in your name we pray. Our Father, our Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.